good morning, everybody. Welcome to Home Builders. Great to see you here today. Um, if you didn't get to hear Pastor Jonathan's message yet, wow, don't miss it. Go, go online and get it. It was really good today, and this is a verse from that uh, message. Let's read this together. It's Daniel 9, 19. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and act. My God, for your own sake, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. All right. Disciples call to be a role model. So Paul sets the example of believers and unbelievers. Uh, our scripture is follow me, my example, as I follow the example of Christ. Now, I think we all remember, we know, we'll, we'll see this in the notes here in a few moments, but the Bible wasn't written with chapter and verse. These were letters. Okay? Just like you didn't don't write your letters or things like that in chapter and verse. Okay? But they did later. They put that in chapter and verse to help us to be able to let it flow. But sometimes that can be a little distracting or maybe not understand the flow of it the way it should. So we that's just something to remember so that when we're looking at chapter 10, Verse 1 is a continuation of what's being talked about in chapter 10 of his letter to the Corinthian church. So in verses 23 to 33, Paul says this, I have the right to do anything. Now, in other words, what he's talking about now is Christian liberty. All right. In Christ, he's not talking about I have the right to sin. He's not saying that at all. But what he is saying is that we have freedom in Christ. Amen. We're not under the law anymore, per se, to say these are certain things that we have to do. Uh, but we have the ability to do what the spirit of the Lord gives us the freedom to do and his word. But not everything is beneficial. OK, so in other words, even though I have freedom to do certain things, there are things in our life that we may choose to do that aren't necessarily sinful, but they don't really help us. It's like if, if you remember from Scripture. There's things that he says, let's lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. There are weights in our life. Things that we do that we could potentially slow us down in the race. And when, when people talk about that, they get it really quickly. Things, things whether it's the phone or whether it's uh, entertainment or whether it's like, examples of television or the computer, etc. There are things that slow us down. So he's saying not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Not everything builds up. No one should seek their own good. Okay, stop right there. <laughs> How often do we make daily decisions for our own good? <coughs> for our benefit. But his, his whole focus is do not do anything for your own good, but for the good of others. Wow, that'll change your life. That'll change your perspective. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions for conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And obviously he's dealing with an issue that they were struggling with at this time. Is it right to meet, eat meat that was offered to idols? And he says, it's okay. Because who is that, who is that meat offered to? An idol that doesn't exist. There is no gods. 
Okay, so it, it may be a cultural thing. So enjoy it. It's not a problem. Okay, if you're not convicted by it, it's fine to do it. Okay, if an unbeliever, then he goes into, it says, if an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. So in other words, again, with this idea of this meat that was offered to idols and stuff, you go out to dinner with somebody, eat what's ever put before you. Don't go, was this meat offered to idols? Well, we don't do that today. But we have things in our life that we're, we're going, you know, is this appropriate? Is this the right thing? You know, we just enjoy whatever's put before you, okay? But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice. Now, stop right there for a second. Why would someone, you've been invited to a meal, why would they ask you, has this meat been offered, this, this meat has been offered in sacrifice? To test you. Or it could be a brother or sister in Christ that's there and they feel guilty doing it. So they're like, stop. This meat has been offered to idols. We can't eat this. So their legalism is in the way of someone else's freedom. Their freedom. And Paul says, then do not eat it. Both for the sake of the one who told you, okay, Whoever that was, whether it's the person that invited you or another Christian that's there going, we can't do this. And for the sake of conscience, I'm referring to other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? He's asking, why is my freedom doing this? Here's an example, okay? Now, I know uh, I, I'm, I'm a teetotaler. If it's a word, I don't drink alcohol. That's just my thing. I don't, I don't judge anybody who does, but I, I don't think that, for me, it wouldn't be appropriate for a lot of things. So, but I, I went to Israel, okay? And we went to the garden too. And there we had communion, okay? And someone said, this, this uh, grape juice has got, I think it's, it's a watered down wine. And I said, are you offended by that? No, I just wanted to let you know. Well, I, I want to make sure because if you think it's wrong, I won't drink it. If you're offended by this, we won't participate. No, no, no it's all good. I just want, I, you know, I just want to let you know. I heard it was it had maybe some alcohol in it. Well, it's fine with me, but you know, I'm, I'm good with that. Watered down grape juice is fine with me. You know, I'm, I'm good, but I just want to make sure you're okay with that. Well, so in our lives, people may go, oh. You can't do that. Now, there's some people in your life that are just joy killers. They want to make sure that you're as miserable as they are spiritually. And they're going to stop you from doing anything. You can't watch Disney. They have gay pride week. So anything that Disney puts out, you can't. No, 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 no. You can't do that. Or they may go another a bunch of things. It doesn't matter. If, if, but if, you know, and if it was wrong to them, I give up my freedom for them. So I won't go to Disney with them. <laughs> or I won't watch a Disney show. Or I won't even talk about Disney around them. If it offends them, I won't participate. I won't talk about it. I won't do it. And then, they'll, you know, because here's the thing. See, this is leading up to this lesson, folks. I hope you understand this. When we're talking about role models is what we want to do is the big idea is this. Are you really going to lose a brother or sister in Christ for Disney? 
I mean, really? Are you going to really lose a brother or sister Christ over this? You're not going to be one because of this issue? Because you're, you're, not, you're not willing to do that? And everyone, he's, you know, why, he's asking a quick question. Why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? Because it's not about me. It's about them. So he says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. And I'm so grateful he did that. He didn't talk about, well, whether you go to church on Sunday or Saturday. You know, he, he didn't. He's talking about menial things like eating and drinking. Or whatever you do. Do it all to the glory of God. In other words, it's for his glory, not my own. In other words, I'm not going to be prideful or boastful in my life to think I'm right, you're wrong. No, get rid of that. He says, do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, whether they're saved or lost. Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. In other words, if, if you have somebody, a friend, who's not a believer, invites you and sets you up to find out if you're really a Christian. Hey, you know what? Can you come over to my house on Sunday and help me move? I will after church. They can be setting you up to see if you're really a follower of Christ or you're going to get in like somebody else. Students at Liberty have to face this all the time. They get invited to parties, things like that. And it's like, and then the next day, the, the, the dean's office, the, the student affairs office gets pictures of them at a party. Why would they do that? Because everyone's looking in the second, they're looking for a way to say, see, it's not real. And so he says, what you got to do is don't cause anyone to stumble. Don't cause the unsaved or the saved to stumble. Always be willing to give up your freedoms even for the love of God in someone else's life. Even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many so that they may be saved. Bottom line, everything I should do in my life, everything you should do in your life is for one purpose, to see people saved, for them to grow in their faith, to grow, to be more like Christ. So there's no pride, there's no arrogance, there's no my rights, I, I deserve this, I demand this. I, no, 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 it's in it, Paul's view. And it's, I give this all up. Why? And he's doing this, and then he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. We go to chapter 11, verse 1. So this is why I took the time this morning to set the stage up, because you know what? We shouldn't be a stumbling block to anybody. We should follow Christ and be a role model of Christ to everyone around us. How did Jesus act? And so what we, as we go through this lesson today, what we're talking about is how do we live this life and follow, be a role model. And this, going into the summer, we're going to be looking at characteristics of what it means to be like Jesus. So again, books of the Bible were not written in chapters, so we see this coming. Paul is addressing our freedom in Christ and a responsibility to others. We have freedom, but not everything is beneficial or constructive. What are some examples? 
of things that are not constructive or beneficial. I shared a couple before. Give me a couple more. What are things that are not sinful, but not necessarily constructive or beneficial? Overcommitment. Overcommitment. Excellent. The Cowboys. <laughs> Think about things that you do in your life that you put as a priority over, at times, God and His Word. So it could be work, rushing. Our schedules. There's so many things that we put into our lives that are priorities. We should seek the good of others before ourselves, even when it causes us to give up our freedoms. That's hard, isn't it? Think about that. I'm giving up my freedoms for somebody else. I'm giving up my rights for somebody else. And so what we do then is when we, when we struggle in this area, God's saying, okay, look at what Christ did. Paul's trying to say, look at what Christ did for us. He left heaven. He was born of a woman. Imagine the God of very God having to be to go through puberty. <laughs> How many of you liked puberty? <laughs> and it says in scripture, which I think is interesting about God, Jesus, and he grew in stature with God and man. He had to grow up as a human being. And that's, think of all the things he gave up so that he could ultimately die for us. And then we don't want to necessarily give up an hour or two to do something or whatever. There's a right attitude that we should have. In other words, we shouldn't be Eeyore Christians. Yeah, I'm being godly, but life stinks. I've got to give up my rights for somebody else. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We don't want to be Eeyore Christians in that area. Everything we do should glorify God. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Paul says we should please everyone. Now, how many of you have ever heard this someone say... We shouldn't be man-pleasers. Anybody hear that before? We shouldn't be man-pleasers. And the emphasis there is on we should please God. But you know what? When we are pleasing God, we're pleasing others around us. Okay? So I think, if, why does he say we should please everyone? Well, we should please people in obedience to the Lord. We shouldn't be man-only pleasers. Yes. It's doing it in the Lord. That's Excellent. So with that, though, why should we please everyone? Anybody have a neighbor? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> Anybody have that neighbor? You know? And yet God calls us to please that neighbor. What does that mean? 
You have any, anybody ever worked with somebody who's cantankerous? Hard to get along with? That you want to get back to? And yet God says, please them. Do everything you can to bless, to build up, to encourage. Well, this is going to be challenging, folks. I, I hope that it is for you. It is for me. As I go through these lessons, I'm thinking, Lou, you've got to get your act together. There's some things you've got to work on. You know? Yeah, Sandy. Hey. Hey. trying to do is, God may in the future give us that opportunity to lead him to Christ. That God's setting that stage up for us to be a blessing. And it may not even be them. They may be talking to somebody else. Okay? Now, Sandy, I'll use your example. Let's say, Sandy, you went out and raked the leaves up. And that maybe that neighbor's not saved, but the, and you never get an opportunity to do that. But he may be talking to somebody one day and they're going... You know, I asked my neighbor to break up the leaves off my yard, and they actually did it. Wonder why? Who was who's your neighbor? Oh, Bob and Sandy today. Oh, I know them. They're Christians, and they may even lead them to Christ. You know, it's not even affecting. It's not about you doing it. It's just setting it up. So that's why in some of the things we do, it, it's 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 not necessarily fair or right. But we do it because it sets the stage for a better witness. And even if they're a Christian, maybe they're a Christian jerk. <laughs> you know, the Bible tells us that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. What we don't want to have an attitude of is stick it to them, Jesus. Stick it to them. Get them. Sick them. Because you know what? Ultimately... Our life should be, how can I help you grow in Christ so that the day you are judged by God, it's a better experience than if I wasn't involved in your life. Tish, you had a comment.
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that we can actually shine the light of Christ in people's lives. So that ultimately they can be drawn to the Lord. How did the Apostle Paul follow the example of Christ? Paul was an encourager and put it in writing. Let's look. Someone read for me Romans 1.8. So he's writing to the Roman church and he's writing at the beginning of his letter. He gets some, we call it verse eight, but just a little bit into his letter. And he says, I thank my God through, through Jesus Christ for all of you. Wouldn't it be great to get encouraging letters from people to just say, you know what? I thank my God for you. What an encourager you are. What a blessing it is, man. Your faith is being talked about. You're such an encouragement to me. Because of what, you're, you're, what, what God is doing in and through your life. That's what it's really all about. That's what, man, following Jesus is all about. Paul was also humble and recognized his own sinfulness. Look at 1 Timothy 1.15. Someone read that for me. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Why would Paul consider himself to be the worst sinner? Because of persecution he did. Because of persecution he did. Somebody tell me what that persecution was. He kills Christians. He kills Christians. Anybody remember who, one of them? Stephen. Stephen. <laughs> he was actually holding his garments. You know. He was over there. And Stephen looks up to heaven. He says, I see God the Father and Jesus sitting at his right hand. And they took up stones and stoned him. And he supported that. Imagine God transforming his life. But he, he viewed himself for who we all need to view ourselves as. We are sinners that have been saved by God's grace. And now that we have, we should see ourselves for who we are in Christ. We're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. We're ambassadors of Christ. We're a holy priesthood. And we'll get into that here if we get that far in this lesson. Although Jesus never sinned. Okay, so we're looking at how did Paul, he humbled himself. And he admitted who he was. Now, Jesus wasn't a sinner. Amen? We're all on the same page there. Jesus never sinned. But how did he humble himself? Just like Paul, who in humility saw himself for who he was. How did Jesus humble himself? Yeah, Donna. One of the things he did was he, he laid aside his glory. Even in some ways, his, his full Godhead. Because now he was spirit, but now he's flesh. He's limited. For the first time in eternity, he's limited by a body. What else? What else did he do to humble himself? Tish? He said, not my will, but thy will Did he want to go to the cross? Was he like, yes! He understood that was why he came, and he was going to be obedient to the Father. But he said, Lord, if it be your will, let this come pass from me. But not my will, but thy be done. How else did he humble himself? 
he set aside his deity to become a human. Yeah, he set aside his deity to become a human. He, he allowed himself to be mistreated and killed by his creation. <laughs> he, was, he allowed himself to be mistreated and killed by his creation. I mean, think about that. What a great statement, Mike. By his own creation, he allowed himself to be killed for a greater good. Now, think about that in our lives. Would we be willing to do that for others? Yet that is what God has called us to do, to die to self. And isn't that what he called us as disciples to be? Look, yeah. Pardon. He was, it's not just that he died on the cross. He numbered himself with the transgressors. So it was a shameful thing. Yeah. He was willing to experience that shame. He became sin. He didn't become sin. But he became what, what it was that he had to become so that he could die. He took on the sins of humanity. Though he was without sin himself. And Lou, I was thinking when you were talking about Paul and the discount Jesus, they had the same thing where what they've been through, what they experienced, they were able to use in other people's lives. So Paul could say to other believers, I know what it's like to be on that side where I would be worse than Yeah. And that's why Jesus is our ultimate role model. But we can look at Paul, then the same thing. Paul said, you know, I've been there. And you know how many people say, I can't become a Christian because I'm too great of a sinner. God would never save me because I know the things I've done. And yet, Paul had, had murdered Christians, hadn't he? He hadn't killed. And yet God still saved him and loves him unconditionally. Paul was passionate for souls. Romans 1.16. Many of you have that memorized. Would someone read that for me? through Paul, the value, the importance of the gospel message. It's, it's to bring salvation to everyone. For, for, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. God brought salvation to the Jewish people, but then ultimately brought it to us as well, so that we could be saved. And he was passionate about that. Now, the question we have to ask ourselves in that, how can we develop that? Romans 9, 1-5 says, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's going to say something pretty radical here. He goes, I'm not trying to boast. I'm not lying here. He said, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Now, I don't know that I would say that. I, I got to be honest with you. I don't know. I would, I'd rather go to hell so that my Gentile friends could go to heaven. Oh, you know, I don't know that I would do that. But Paul was so convicted and hurt by the fact that his Jewish friends and, and those who had followed that faith that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees with, they were so blinded and wouldn't come to the truth. 
says, I want that. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. I mean, God came to this people, Abraham. He gave him the, there's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Everything was given to the Jews. Theirs are the patriarchs, and, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. Man, that God worked through them. They were the apple of his eye. Why won't they come? He was so burdened for the Jewish people. Though he recognized the value of, to the Gentiles, he says, I'd rather be accursed that they may come to know Christ. Wow. What a passion for souls. What does it take to have this type of attitude? What does it take to have that type of an attitude? An attitude for people to be saved at all costs, even to your own harm. What does that look like? 100% all in. 100% all in. deprivation of self for Christ. How can we develop a love for people like this? I mean, think about that. How can we develop? I mean, all of us are different. We're, you know, and it's, it's interesting. Some of us consider ourselves to be extroverts and others consider ourselves to be introverts. And some of us are just verts. <laughs> But God has called all of us, right, to share our faith with somebody. Are you praying for people right now that you know that are lost? What hinders us from being a role model of salvation to them? What hinders that? I think there's things like this. The more we tell people about Jesus the more we actually have to live it. Can I take the grenade and pull the pin and throw that one? Because <laughs> if we're telling people about Jesus, people will expect us to live like him. And we're not sure we like that idea. We just want to have, we just want some normalcy in our life to be accepted for being a sinner at times or, you know, doing good. But, you know, I don't know. I don't want to be in the limelight of of expectation. Anybody ever feel that way? You don't have to raise your hand to that one. You know? It's like we've joked in the past about the old Jesus first pins that Dr. Paul used to wear and Jonathan wears, you know. You know, I, 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 I will so vividly remember this because I wore it because I was, you know, hey, Jerry said, wear your Jesus first pin. It's a great witnessing tool. And I can't tell you the number of times in the 80s, it hasn't been since then, it's in the 80s, that people would come in with their, they literally open up their lapel and go, me too. What is this? You know, I believe in, in, in Miracle on 34th Street. <coughs> me too. You know, it's like, don't be ashamed. Jesus took up his cross for us and called us to do the same. Luke 9, 23. Someone read that for me. So do you want to be his disciple? Do we want to be Christ's disciple? 
do we really want to be Christ's disciple? If, if we do, are we willing to take up our cross daily? And again, you've heard me say it dozens of times, so I'm going to ask you, everyone in here should know, what does it mean to take up our cross? You can say it. Say it. Yeah, but what did Jesus do when he took up his cross? He died. So what Jesus is saying, if you're going to be my disciple, so if you're a disciple here, say amen. Okay, think about that now. Are you a disciple of Christ? Do you, do you want to say, undercover Christian? Okay. Am I a disciple of Christ? If it is, he says, take up your cross, die to yourself every day. And what we're talking about in being a role model then is learning how to be an example of Christ to those around us and not just do what we want to feel like doing. That we follow after Christ and be a, a role model to others for him. That we take up our cross to be like Jesus every day, die to ourselves, and help others and serve others through the way we live our lives. Paul lived his life to exalt the Lord either in his life or in his death. Philippians 1.20. Someone read that for me. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Think about that. That Christ will be exalted in my body, whether in life or in death. That Christ will be exalted in my life. Or if I die, I'm good with either. Think about getting to that place in your Christian life. I'm good with, with this. I'm good with this. And I want to exalt Christ and people to see Christ exalted in my life or by my death. Let's pray this morning. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we come to our class and we, we come to this conclusion, but not the conclusion of your story. God, our passion and our desire is to be like you. But God, it's not just to be like you, but to show you to others. God, I pray for every man and woman, boy and girl in this classroom today, that God, we would give our lives up freely for you and that you will do a great work in and through our lives. That God, you will help us to be a role model to those around us, to die to ourselves daily and follow you. We love you, Lord. And I pray that you would help us to be who you called us to be to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you all. Have a great week. We'll conclude this lesson next week.